Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. In every age and every culture, there is this thing called marriage and family. Even in pagan cultures, even in atheist cultures, there's still this thing called marriage and family. And why is that? Because God has built that in to us human beings. And we're, we're going to see today on this program, Genesis chapter 2, why God invented the family. You know, when I was little, America kind of valued marriage and family. We had TV shows like Leave it to Beaver, Ozzie and Harriet, Father Knows Best. Today, they're reviving two smelly shows and bringing them back. Will and Grace has come back, and now Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And as long as we devalue God's original intent for marriage, America's going to be a mess. So I encourage you, let's find out why God invented the marriage and why in the way he did it. Genesis chapter 2, let's pray first. Father, we want to pray for anyone watching this program. Their marriage is in trouble. We pray that somehow you raise that marriage from the dead and put it together. For those that have already divorced, uh, those that are single, widowed, Lord, just teach us now how even if we don't have a family, we have a family in your home, the church. And so, Lord, teach us now about the family. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 2, God has just created Adam. Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Here's the first lesson for today. <clears throat> Men work. God made Adam to work in the Garden of Eden. Isn't it interesting that when two men meet on a plane, what do they talk about? They talk about their work. Two women meet on a plane, what do they talk about? They talk about their family, their relationships. I think, and we need both. Men tend to be more work-related, uh, uh, providing-related. Women tend to be more relational and more nurturing. We need both. There, it's a good God-given difference. Well, today, however, you've got mom and dad both working outside the home and children going to daycare centers. And my question is, is that good? <laughs> Call me crazy, but I think if you have children, you should raise them. I have a relative who is a feminist. She and her husband both went off to work every day. Then she had a, a little girl. And all of a sudden, this feminist wants to stay home with, with her daughter. And this feminist would travel, and one day her three- or four-year-old daughter saw Mommy's suitcase in her hand and looked at her and said, Mommy, where are you going? And that sentence so struck this relative of mine, she quit her job and she raised her, 
her daughter. <laughs> Look, I know some, some here are single mothers. You have to work outside the home. Okay, God bless you. But if there's any way you can stay home and raise your children, I think that's best. Men work. Now, men don't overdo that. I know a Christian man who was offered a promotion at his job. He turned it down because he said, Pastor Brock, had I taken that promotion, I never would have seen my wife and children. God bless you, I said to him. So God makes men and women different. Men work in the garden, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. You know, this is the first not good thing in the Bible. God made the trees, saw that it was good. God made this, saw that it was good. The first thing that's not good is that Adam is alone. Look at the rest of verse 18. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Here's the next lesson. Marriage is God's plan for companionship. Marriage is God's answer to lonely Adam. You know, I was blessed to be raised in a family where mom and dad loved each other. Dad was Catholic, mom was Lutheran, uh, but they loved each other. <laughs> if they argued, they never did it in front of us kids. And I can remember when my mom was in her older years, dad had long been dead. My mom said to me, let me tell you how dad and I got married. Dad went off to college. When he came home from college, mom said, all of our friends were married. So dad looked at me and said, well, Ruth, do you want to get married? <laughs> so they got married. Now that's not very romantic, but their marriage worked. And I remember an old sociology teacher at our high school who said, it's not so much who you marry, but your attitude toward marriage. So marriage is God's idea for companionship. As you know, marriage is not cool in our culture. What's cool in American culture today is having sex with lots of people outside of marriage. Let me identify four attacks today on God's design for marriage. Attack number one, premarital sex. 90% of the sex on TV is between unmarried people. Um, and listen to this. This is a very sad statistic. 48% of couples live together before they get married. Listen, do you know what 1 Corinthians 6 says? Fornicators don't go to heaven. That's huge. When couples would come to me wanting me to marry them, and if I found out they're living together, I'd put 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I said, do you know that unless you repent, you're not going to heaven? And, and if that's not convincing enough, and these are secular statistics, if you live together before marriage, you have a 33% higher divorce rate than couples that abstained. So not only are you endangering your eternal soul by fornicating, you're wrecking your future marriage. So number one attack on marriage is premarital sex. Second big attack on marriage is divorce. I mean, I can remember as a little kid, a handful of my friends had divorced parents. Now it's all over the place. Now the good news is it's not 50%. Uh, it used to be higher, but now uh, divorces are about 25% of people that marry 
end up divorced, but that is still sky high to what it used to be in American history. Premarital sex, divorce, third attack on, on marriage, homosexual marriage. Years ago, there was an awful TV show called The Phil Donahue Show, and he regularly promoted homosexuality. And I remember one day he was doing that, and he'd take the microphone out in the audience, and some, some woman stood up and said, but Phil, the parts don't fit. <laughs> and he had nothing he could say. I mean, she was just upholding the, the traditional biblical view of marriage. You need a man and a woman, because otherwise the parts don't fit. The fourth attack on marriage, divorce, premarital sex, homosexuality, the fourth attack on marriage is pornography. A huge number of people go to the webs, websites for pornography and, and it's killing marriages. Some of you are divorced because of your husband's porn habit or your wife's porn habit. Women too now are into this. And do you know that AT&T owns DirecTV. And do you know that DirecTV has a lot of explicit uh, sexual movies? The biggest, the, one of the biggest pornographers in America is AT&T and DirecTV. And I, I'll say this again, if you have a problem with pornography, you know it's wrong, but you keep doing it, Google the words covenant eyes They'll put a filter on your computer to keep you from the bad stuff. They'll send a report once a week to your accountability partner so you can finally put a dent in to a pornography addiction. But pornography is hurting marriages. All right. Um, let's move on. Back to G Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. Then God took one of Adam's ribs, closed it up with the, up the flesh at that place, and the Lord God fashioned a woman from the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Here's the next lesson. Man is the head of the marriage. Woman was taken out of man. Man was the head of the marriage, is the head of the marriage. I, uh, we had a plaque hanging in my kitchen when I was a little boy that I think my dad put up on the wall, and it said, the opinions of the husband of this house are not necessarily those of the management. <laughs> so let's talk to the men for a minute. Men, your main priority in life is to follow Christ. Your second priority is to be the loving leader of your family. Be involved with your family. Lovingly lead your family, because if you're not, you're hurting your wife and children. I know it goes against our culture to say that man is the head of the family, but listen, our culture is a mess. We don't follow the culture. We follow Christ. So men, be involved with your family, and let me explain why. When I was seven years old, the little girl that lived behind us, her name was Judy. I still talk to Judy on a rare occasion. She lives in another state, but I've known her since she was seven. I remember sitting in the sandbox with Judy, and she was a sad little girl because she had a spooky dad. I remember Judy's mom running down to our house a couple times to get protection from her husband who would beat her up. 
Well, then when Judy was 16, I remember her telling me about the sex she was getting into with her boyfriend. And then when she was 20, I remember her telling me about her abortion. And then I believe Judy became the other woman and broke up a marriage. And then Judy's own marriage got broken up. And, and then Judy's brother was on national news because of his sins. And my point is, Dad, be the loving leader of your family. Because if you're not, you can wreck your kids for life. <laughs> Let's look at verse 24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That verse gives the two keys to a successful marriage. Leave and cleave. Let's start number one. The first key to a successful marriage is you leave your father and mother. You don't say, Honey, why can't you cook as good as my mom did? Or you don't say, you know, hubby, how come you can't be a fix-it man like my dad was? No, no, that's called not leaving. The first key to a successful marriage, you don't expect your spouse to be like your parents. And then the second key to a successful marriage, you cleave. You spend time with. Remember, the reason God invented marriage was so you wouldn't be alone. Do you cleave to your spouse? Do you spend good time with your spouse? I mean, some Christian couples, and I think this is great, they have kids and they're so busy, but they carve out one night a week when they get a babysitter or mom comes in to babysit and they go off on a date night. I think that's smart. You're cleaving. I want us to look at one last verse about the family. Turn backwards to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when God makes Adam and Eve and he says these words, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Here, two little lessons from that verse. Number one, sex was God's idea. If you have a wonderful, filling, va-va-voom sex life, praise God for that. The devil did not invent sex. God invented sex. And if you've got a really good hubba-hubba sex life, praise the Lord for that. But remember, it's only for within marriage if you get outside those bounds, you get hurt. And by marriage, I mean one man and one woman. But if you do it out any other way than heterosexual marriage, you get hurt. I, uh, I knew a girl in high school by the name of Sue. She was raised Catholic. When we got into college, I think she had done something she shouldn't. And she says to me, you know, Tom, Maybe sex before marriage is okay for other people. It's not okay for me. And I said to her, Sue, it's not okay for anybody. <laughs> sex is God's idea. It's great, but within marriage. And the other lesson I get from, from uh, Genesis 1.29, it says, be fruitful and multiply. Here's the next lesson. Children are a blessing. <laughs> Psalm 127. Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, of children. You know, don't believe today's lie that children are an obstacle to your happiness. Just the opposite is true. Children, not only marriage, but children are under attack today. Quickly, let me tell you the three attacks right now on children. Number one, abortion. 
3,000 abortions a day in the United States. Please, when you vote in the next election, vote for the unborn children. That's, that's one of, of our attacks on children is abortion. A second attack on children, I'm going to call these unnatural attacks. I'm thinking of things like surrogate motherhood, where you hire somebody to carry your baby, or artificial insemination, where kids have no idea who their father is. Uh, and I'll add to that homosexual parenting. No, no, God made uh, us to have a mom and a dad. So unnatural attacks, um, uh, abortion. The third attack on children is this. Children don't need two parents. Do you remember years ago, the TV show Murphy Brown, where she chooses to have a baby apart from having the baby have a father. I don't know if it was artificial insemination or what, but then Vice President Dan Quayle had the nerve to say, no, children need a mom and a dad. And he was mocked, he was ridiculed, and I thought, how far America has fallen that we don't think a child needs a mom and a dad. Well, one more point for uh, today that I want, to, I want you to take home, and that's this. Uplift the joy and the beauty of marriage and family. Whenever you can lift up marriage and family the way God invented it, we get this from Hebrews 13. It says this, let marriage be held in honor by all. Now, I'm single. I've never been married. And that's okay too. 1 Corinthians 7 teaches if you're single, that's even better because you have more time to serve the Lord. But even if you're a single person, uplift the beauty of the way God created male and female and the beauty of Christian marriage and Christian family. So let's sum all this up. Here's what we've learned. God invented the family. Therefore, family, good. <laughs> Husbands, be the loving leader of your family. Wives, the Bible says you're to lovingly submit to your husband. I know our culture hates that kind of talk, but our culture is a mess. We follow Christ, not the culture. So wives, lovingly submit to your husband. And, and then it says, children, obey your parents. You'll live longer. One last word. Some of you watching this show are single, never married, or you're divorced or you're widowed and you don't really have a family anymore, can I make this last point? Let the church be your family. So I'm walking back to my seat on the airplane, and this guy, oh, Pastor Brock, he said, oh, Father Brock, I see your TV show. And I said, well, I'm not a Catholic father, I'm not a priest, but I'm a Lutheran pastor. He turned out to be a Catholic priest, and he, he likes our TV show, and he invites me to, to lunch. And he's, a, he's, the past, he's Lebanese, and he's the pastor of a Lebanese Catholic church over here in Minneapolis. So he takes me to lunch to this Lebanese restaurant. He walks in the door, oh, Father, how are you today? And a lot of his ch church people went to lunch there at that. And w when they called him Father, they meant it. You could tell this church was a family. And then he took me over, he gave me the tour of his church. I was touched by what a Christian family this was. So my last point to you is this. You know, maybe you're, you're single, widowed, divorced, whatever, and you're alone. Let the church be your family. Amen. 
Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, what can churches do today to uphold marriage? I think the main thing the church can do is to not cave. And here, let me tell you what I mean by that. These, let me list some denominations, Jackie, that have caved. And these are denominations that are performing gay weddings. The United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and the Disciples of Christ. These are the liberal denominations where if two men now wanna get married, there are pastors in these churches that will do that. And Jackie, I've said this on the TV show before, but I gotta repeat it. 31,000 Lutheran teenagers came together for their uh, gathering uh, last summer. A radical pastor by the name of Nadia Bowles-Weber got in front of the kids and had them say after her out loud, I renounce the lie that queerness is anything other than beauty. And they all said that out loud after her. Then they brought an 11-year-old boy out who thinks he's a girl, dressed up as a girl, and they promoted transgenderism to the teenagers. That's called caving, Jackie. And what we need to do is, if, if two men came to me and wanted me to marry them, I'd say, I can't do that. That's not what marriage is. And then I would warn them. 1 Corinthians 6 says homosexuals don't go to heaven. You gotta repent of that. I mean, as, as you know, because I've talked about it on the show, homosexual temptation has been my struggle in life, my temptation but I don't go down that road because I don't want to go to hell. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. So my main point to the churches is don't cave. Uphold marriage as one man, one woman. Are you saying it's wrong for both parents then to work outside of the home? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's, if the kids are little, up to age five, I wouldn't send them to a daycare center. I'd want mom raising those kids okay maybe mom goes out the door and dad raises the kids but the you know kids need their parents not a daycare center so you know if it gets to the point where the kids are in school and mom and, and dad both work at that point i think that's maybe different but yeah what would you say to a widow who says when my husband died i died have you ever heard a widow say that yeah i sure have too and I, all we can say is lovingly tell her no, you're still alive and God has a purpose for you while you're on earth. So that's, that's all we can do is help. Um, where in the Bible does it, exactly does it say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? Are there some Yes, there good are verses? some verses. Uh, you want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, then read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And Paul says, because of all the temptations to immorality, let every man have her own has to have his own wife, every woman have her own husband. And, but then again, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, fornicators will not go to heaven. So I'll say to anybody, if you've had sex outside of marriage, you need to ask God's forgiveness for that, and God will forgive you through Christ, but then you need to stop living with the guy and, and be celibate till you're married. Pastor Tom, does the Bible actually teach about divorce and remarriage? It certainly does. And now I'm going to really step on toes, but I'm just repeating what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 18. If, if you're contemplating divorce or you've already been divorced, I want you to read on your own Matthew chapter 18 
and 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And here's what the Bible teaches. It says, don't get divorced. But if you do, and I think that's Paul's way of saying, I know it's going to happen in some circumstances. Paul says to stay single or get reconciled to your spouse, but he doesn't say, or go find a new spouse. So um, I think if I was divorced, I would just stay a single person and serve the Lord as a single person. Yeah. Okay. So where exactly in the Bible does it teach that homosexuality is wrong? Yep. I want to encourage people, you can go to our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, and look on the, I think it's the left-hand column. Anyway, there's an article that I wrote called, What Does the Bible Teach About Homosexuality? And it gives you all the verses there, uh, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. So just pastorstudy.org, What Does the Bible Teach About Homosexuality? It's all there, Jackie. If a person does have a porn habit that they've had for years and they don't seem to be breaking it is there any advice that you could say my advice would be you're probably not going to break it on your own you need accountability uh, uh, you may need maybe a little group to attend once a week or you need a prayer partner who once a week will hold you accountable and i'll repeat google the words covenant eyes and you put that on your computer and it keeps the porn off and it also sends a report to your accountability partner once a week. And so it's, I think it's a real help to putting a dent in a porn addiction. Okay, we've probably got time for one more quick question mm -hmm. here. Do you believe men and women are equal? Yeah. You know, people probably don't like the sermon I just preached because I teach that men are to be the leader of the home and wives are to submit to, them, to their husbands. I believe men and women are equal. We're both equally human, but we're different. And so we have different roles. You know, the Bible teaches Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Trinity are equally God, but still the Son, Jesus, submits himself to the Father, even though they're equal. And so in the same way, women are to submit to their husbands, and that's the way marriage works best, but they're still equal. There you go. We're down to one minute, Tom. Okay. So I guess at this point, we can't really go yeah. any further. I'd just like to thank you for joining us this week on the Pastor Study. We truly appreciate the support that we get from all of you. And we just pray that God would keep you safe in his arms until we're together again next time. And if I can add, Jackie, because we still got 45 seconds. <laughs> go ahead. If I can just add, if you see any show that you really want a loved one to see, just go to our website. All of our TV shows are on our website. And you can see them there and and because uh, uh, people write me how do I get this to my daughter you know you we just go to our website all of them are right there and uh, 20 more seconds Jackie do you want to sing dance what do you no, want to do what's the website pastorstudy.org two s's and you can see all the shows that pray for our ministry we thank you your support keeps us on the air so we praise God for you and we'll see you again next time Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.